Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, co-host along here with Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. Good morning, Kurt. Chad, good morning. Good to see you, brother. Good seeing you as well. It is a rainy morning today as we take this this morning, Tuesday morning, and it's uh, it's raining. It's uh, all day today. <laughs> so you know what? I was I, I was I was praying with my daughter this morning, yeah. and uh, we we're walking out, and I, I was trying not. I, I didn't want to be. I, my heart was not grateful for all the rain and clouds and everything. And then I was reminded, you know what? Without rain, without water, I, and I was starting. We we turn on the faucet and you got water nonstop. You jump into the shower and it's you got hot water and and. Uh, yeah, but if you're playing golf, it's not that helpful, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, that is true. That's right. <laughs> this, so we find reasons to be grateful and thankful. Give thanks so. in all things, right? There you go. So, uh, okay, so if you're just joining us and you're just tuning in on uh, on the radio, listening live, this is Solid Steps Radio. We are a show, show for men, by men, talking to men about man stuff. And uh, we, you can be here all of our shows, past shows, and if you want to hear this show it's in, in its entirety, you can go to a couple different places. You can go to our Facebook page, which is, uh, facebook.com forward slash solid steps radio you can go to soundcloud.com and just type in solid steps radio or you can go to furtherstillministries.org and you can click on the microphone and listen to our past shows and so uh, today we um, ha- having a topic that is is near and dear to my heart just because uh, for 15 years now I have been imperfectly following a perfect God and I have been walking uh, again with the Lord and learning about what that means, and what I have heard for 15 years in the church, outside the church, and and just in different Christian circles is men are supposed to lead their family spiritually, and a lot of times it's hard to practically flesh that out and explain what that looks like on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday basis. We see a lot of stuff, big picture and in sermons, but how does it work itself out day to day? Well, ten, six, eight, ten years ago, I heard our, our guest who we'll introduce here in a minute talk about this particular topic, which we'll introduce here in a minute, and it, it's one of those things that I cannot imagine now my life without it. Now, the topic today is family worship, and half the time my family worship is a train wreck, <laughs> okay? It's a train wreck because you have a husband and a wife who are tired, they've come home, that she's been, my wife Jenna is a stay-at-home mom, she's got five, we got five kids, and she homeschools them, and, and at the end of the day, sometimes she is done with people, big and small. <laughs> but on as often as we can during the week, we have something called family worship, and our our guest today has wrote a book about it, and we're going to unpack that for the next hour. Yeah, so it is, uh, it's a great treat to have uh, Don Whitney with us today. Welcome, Don, to the show. Thank you, man. It's good to be with you. It's, it really is a joy to uh, have you here. I've been looking forward to this, Don, because uh, Chad has expressed you know, great passion for family worship, and that was the case for me and uh, my late wife, Kristen. Uh, we just uh, loved to do that, and it was chaotic at times. But Don, uh, before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've been married for how long? Uh, it be 40 years in January. Oof. Yeah. That's to my wife, Kathy, F-F-Y, yeah. uh, who's an artist and uh, um, teaches art, art history, and uh, so 40 years in January. That's fantastic. 40 years. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, you've got one girl, is that right? Right. Uh, my wife and I were both told for about 16 years that uh, neither of us uh, could be parents. But then uh, the Lord gave us a baby and bifocals the same year. 
So uh, <laughs> we have a 22-year-old daughter who, uh, God willing, in uh, a month or less, will be presenting us with our first grandbaby, uh, a boy. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting. Yeah. So, uh, wow, that's congratulations on that and uh you mentioned uh, before that we even that she is bedridden and you're just uh praying and waiting for the waiting for the baby yeah she uh, about two months uh, early she started having real contractions uh, she still has them uh, this has gone on for a month she was in the hospital for three weeks she's been home for a while and uh, she's at 35 weeks right now and uh, they said they're not going to let her go past 39 without inducing her so Sometime between now and uh, mid-June, uh, we're going to see that little boy. Oh, that's that's a thrill and exciting. Wow. Well, uh, Don, tell us as well about you teach at Southern Seminary, and mm-hmm. uh, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a unique position. I'm a professor of biblical spirituality. You know, we have professors of Old Testament, New Testament, systematic theology, and church history, and preaching. Uh, I'm professor of biblical spirituality which is a unique position uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention and, um, and in most seminaries. I mean, just about every seminary will have a required class of some type in spirituality, or they might call it spiritual formation or Christian spirituality or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an entire degree program, and to our knowledge, we're the only um, school on the planet that has uh, a Master of Divinity degree, which is our bread-and-butter degree, a THM, a D-Men, and a Ph.D., in something called spirituality, and and I'm over that. So it's my privilege and responsibility to teach these uh, future ministers and missionaries how to walk with God. That's fantastic. So just real quickly, when people listen to that, you know, spiritual formation, sum that up for us real quick. Well, uh, we have there are a few associations with that term that that aren't always helpful, and so we intentionally uh, chose the term. Uh, Dr. Mueller and I in conversation when I first came here, and that he he uh, was enthusiastic about to call this position biblical spirituality. Now we laughed and said that still may not tell people anymore what it is, but at least whatever it is, it's biblical. You know? <laughs> yeah, so that's good. It, it's it means that we are uh, deriving from the Bible. Uh, how, how to walk with God. We, biblical spirituality is basically, uh, you know, the pursuit of God and the things of God uh, through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit according to uh, the Word of God. And so um, that, that's what we're talking about. That's fantastic. The Bible says to draw near to God, and then He mm-hmm. will draw near to us. So. Yeah, Galatians 4 talks about, uh, Paul talks about until Christ is formed within you, and so that's where many get this term, spiritual formation. And so it's that idea, it's, it's growing them in grace, helping them to walk daily with Christ and become conformed to Him. Ah, oh, that's good stuff. Uh, well, we want to we talk today about how do we do that in the context of the family? How do we as men, how do we help our kids and even lead our wives in this whole area of spiritual formation and, and really how do we lead them in family worship and so you wrote a book and what was the catalyst behind that what uh, what was your, yeah what was the heartbeat behind that well you know i grew up in a bible believing uh home uh, i was taking the church sunday morning sunday night wednesday night nine months before i was born uh, conservative bible believing church but i never heard of family worship i never saw family worship uh, even through seminary, but after I finished seminary and began to pastor, 
uh, in a lot of the books I would read, especially older writers, I kept coming across this term, family worship, family altar, family prayer, mm. and began to investigate that and to realize that it was very common. Uh, we, we tend to think that we stand on the, the pinnacle of church history and that you know we, we have the best of all the previous centuries, and it is true we stand on the shoulders of giants. But I discovered that something that's been almost completely omitted in uh, the contemporary church, especially in America, but which was almost universally practiced in the first 2,000 years of the church, is this idea of family worship. So I began to explore that. I, I uh, spoke on that at a conference in England for the first time a few years ago, uh, began to publish uh, some materials on that, and then eventually, in the January of 2016, Crossway published this little book called Family Worship. But, you know, one other uh, note with that, in teaching at the seminary, I teach on this subject, and I ask my students every semester, how many of you were raised in homes where you regularly uh, enjoyed family worship? And it's always very small. The most striking example, I had a class of 115 students, what time the largest I've had. Seven of 115 were raised in churches where they had practiced family worship. I said, okay, but the rest of you, how many of you have visited in a home where you've seen family worship? Zero raised their hands. And remember, these are students who come to Southern Seminary because they they believe the Bible and know that we do too. We stand for the inerrancy of Scripture, and you know we're a conservative Bible-believing seminary. And yet, coming from homes and churches that would send students to Southern Seminary, nearly all of them had never even seen it before. So what's the likelihood after they graduate that they would go out and teach the men in their churches to lead their families spiritually by means of family worship. So, I mean, that's the reason I teach it. That's why the position on biblical spirituality is so important at our seminary. But uh, all of that is to say that even today in conservative Bible-believing churches, it's something that is rarely seen. Well, you know, that, the the word discipleship and the word disciple-making, there's a lot of talk about that and some buzzwords, you know, and, and we, but it's not happening a lot in our in our own homes. And that's why we're excited to have you to, to talk about that. We're going we're gonna to need to take a break here in a moment, but in our next segment, we want to kind of unpack that. What does it mean to then, I mean, how do we do that? And we want to encourage and equip men who are listening uh, on this show. How, how do we do that? So we're going to take a break, and we will be back here in a couple of minutes to talk about Don and talk about there's three elements really that kind of make up what Don writes about his family worship, and we're going to talk about the first one here in the next segment. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell, Kurt Souter. We want to thank our sponsors for the show, Carol Rogers Carpet One, Ken Martin and his crew. If you need any flooring now or in the future, please look them up. And also L&N Credit Union. We want to thank them for being a sponsor, stepping up and in. in investing in our show and we're talking today with don whitney of southern seminary and we're talking about a topic called family worship which is maybe a foreign topic to some people well and don you said you've had a hundred and some students in in the first segment and only seven really experienced family worship and in in the vast majority of people that i know being a pastor for 25 years it's it's a it's it's a lost ingredient in the family why is that don well, I think, frankly, it's, it's a lack of biblical teaching. You can't expect people to do what they've never been taught to do. No one will be a Christian financial steward unless they've been taught Christian financial stewardship. And so if family worship hasn't been taught and modeled by the leadership of the church, you can't expect people to just 
know they should do it and what it looks like. Mm. So, Don, talk about the biblical framework of this this whole you know theology of family worship. Yeah. Well, it, it, I, you know, if I could spend the whole hour together on that. In the book, I talk about eight, nine passages on this. Now, let's be clear, the Bible, nowhere does the Bible explicitly teach family worship or command it directly, which I, I guess would contribute in one sense to the decline we talk about. But I think it's implied throughout the Bible, and, and I'm going to have to do this so quickly, but in, uh, for example, when Abraham offers up Isaac, uh, as they're going uh, up the mountain, Isaac says, you know, behold the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, how did Isaac know that mm. something was missing in the worship of God? Uh, it was because he had seen it before. Abraham had not just taught his family about the worship of God. He had led his family many times in the worship of God, and so Isaac knew when something was missing in the worship of God. That's the most famous passage in the Bible, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, about teaching uh, children, um, you know, you shall teach them diligently to your sons the, the things of God here, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And there's a lot more there than family worship. Family worship would comprise only a part of that, but it, it would be uh, a part. Uh, mm-hmm. Perhaps the longest passage would be Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8, and he's speaking to the fathers there and says, Tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, which he commanded our fathers, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they might arise and tell them to their children. Well, when do you teach the praises of the Lord? Well, you teach that in in worship. And so this is clearly not a congregational passage in Psalm 78. It's a familial passage passage. And fathers were to teach the praises of God to their children. Mm. Uh, You remember Job. Uh, It says that right in the very first few verses there, when his uh, children would have these um, uh, feasts at the end of them, he would call them all together and offer sacrifices uh, to the Lord on their behalf. So he's leading them in worship uh, right there in in their presence. Mm. Uh, In the New Testament, you have uh, you know, Paul saying husbands. Uh, by the way, note that it doesn't just say fathers. Uh, well, I, I'll come to that in a moment. Let me hold on to that one because it, here, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, and having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. Well, one of the best ways to bring the purifying water of the word into your into your marriage and in your home would be family worship. Uh, but then, um, uh, in um, uh, well, let me just jump to the last one of Peter. First Peter 3, 7, he says, Likewise, husbands, and that's where I want to call your attention, it doesn't say fathers. We tend to think of family worship only as for uh, couples with young children in the home. Mm-hmm. Family worship is for every couple, brand new couples, empty nesters, everybody. First Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the uh, grace of life, so that, here's the point, your prayers may not be hindered. I always understood that to mean, look, if you don't treat your wife right, God won't hear your prayers. (laughs) And I think we can substantiate that from Scripture, but what I came to realize was the prayers spoken of there aren't the prayers of the husband. Those are mutual prayers, prayers prayed together by husbands and wives. So Peter assumed that Christian couples prayed together, 
this is the norm for holy husbanding, that families pray together, worship God together in the home. Mm -hmm. So you begin to look at it across the scriptures. There's great scriptural support for family worship, and that's how the Church of God has understood it throughout the world for 2,000 years. And yet we, we struggle with it today. And we've we've lost it over the last few generations of really dads and and husbands leading the charge of what it means to worship the Lord God. So so Don, let's let's talk practically now. Uh, I, I love that biblical basis. I, I'm also reminded of Joel chapter one when when the prophet is 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 told you are are to tell it. It's a it's a prophecy of what has happened. You have to tell it to your children and to their children and to the next generation. I mm-hmm. mean, there, there's just this ongoing generational um, commu- uh, commitment to the truth of God and walking with Him and worshiping Him. Um, yeah. D- describe a little bit. Uh, you know, we're all worshipers. Yes. We, we all worship something. But when you say family worship, what, what do you mean specifically? Well, historically, uh, the church has distinguished uh, among uh, corporate or congregational worship that we do with the church on Sunday morning, private worship, that's our personal devotional life, and what's sometimes called social or family worship, where it's with other people, but not a big crowd. It's with other people, but it's still in the home. So family worship is when the family uh, gathers, whether it's just a husband and wife or whether it's an extended family, but gathers together to worship God uh, in, in their dwelling. On a regular basis. So okay, so Don, what does that look like? Um, yeah, what, there's elements of that. What describe that? Well, historically, and I have a chapter in the book on how the church for two thousand years has understood this. Quotations, illustrations that all, all the heroes you hear quoted in in your pulpit on Sunday morning. Uh, you, you dig in and you find that they practice family worship. And I can go back to the first century and then indicating that people who actually heard the apostles, perhaps. Uh, practiced three elements in family worship. They read the Bible, they prayed together, and they sang together. And I could argue theologically why those things are are there also, though I don't really have time for that. The point is, I I believe there's a biblical basis for reading, praying, and singing together, and it's not just what I think or what others think would be a good idea. Uh, These are things the Bible says to do in worship. Every church tradition agrees with that. But there are some things the Bible says to do in worship you can only do congregationally. For example, the Lord's Supper. We're not to serve the Lord's Supper to ourselves in our private devotional life. It's given to the church. Uh, we're to hear the Word of God preached. Uh, uh, preachers are commanded to preach the Word in worship. But that requires a preacher and hearers and, and a sense of call to preach. So that's something congregational. But there are three things the Bible says to do in worship that we can do in public, private, or family worship. That's to read the Bible pray together, and sing. And as we have time, I'll unpack each one of those. So, yeah, do that, Don. Talk about, okay, what, how, how does a dad read? What, where, where does he start? We, 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 yeah. Let's talk with a guy who maybe has been in the church for a long time, but he's never done this, or a brand-new Christian dad and he and, and a, a husband, and he wants to know, where, where does he start, Don? Yeah, and let me say that what I'm talking about requires no preparation. Some guys get the idea that you have to get together some sort of devotional, and they say, I don't have time for that. I don't have the ability to do do that. Some sort of, like, Sunday school lesson. You know, I've never prepared. I mean, if you want to share something with a family, that's great. An email that you read, something else that you came across. But 
what I'm suggesting, and I think what the Bible teaches, requires no preparation. Any man can do it, even those who believe that their, their wives know the Bible better than they do, their, their wives may be more spiritually mature. Any man at any spiritual level can lead his family in this way by reading the Bible together, leading them in prayer, and leading them uh, to sing together, which we'll talk about. So just read the Bible. Read through books of the Bible together, chapter by chapter. Now, if you have very young children, you're going to want to use the narrative passages of the Bible. And, and in the book, I give suggestions of about six or seven Bible storybooks for different levels that some may, may choose uh, to use. We want, used one called the Child Story Bible. Uh, it came out in, in 1935. Generations have used it. And it, it takes all the narratives of the Bible, summarizes them a bit, and uh, and mm-hmm. puts them in order. So uh, children need, you know, I think narrative. As they get older, you might set a goal of a complete reading of the New Testament and then eventually the entire Bible. But let me add to the men, read enthusiastically and interpretively. In other words, there are some people who read the Bible out loud with all the enthusiasm of someone reading the phone book out loud. <laughs> you know, they make it sound like a book no one else would want to read on their own. So as you're reading these narratives, I mean, you can go over the top, you know, with your kids. If you're Goliath, if you're reading David and Goliath, you can be Goliath and his big voice up here, you know. And when you read David's part, you can have David's little voice down here. And, and, and you read it like that, enthusiastically and interpretively. And, of course, you'll explain words they may not understand and, and things like that. And, and if I have time, I'll, I'll mention one idea that dramatically improved my daughter's listening when she was in her home. I tell you what, won't you hold that thought, Don? We'll pick that up on the next uh, segment. And we'll, got to take a break. We'll, yeah. go, we'll take a break, and we can do that in the next segment. How about that? Great. Okay. okay. We'll take a break. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. We'll be back shortly.